Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. Always a pleasure to be able to share an empowering hour. And boy, do we have an empowering hour. You're going to see and hear things today that have not been made public, important issues that can impact the choices you make. And that's what we're interested in. Ultimately, whatever choice you make in life, that's your, your choice. Uh, I'd like for you to make a healthier choice, but I don't interfere in a person's freedom of choice. So we begin with the University of Reading, which is in the United Kingdom, study about citrus fruits. Why? Why is that fresh-made glass of orange juice or grapefruit juice with lemon in it or lime? Why is it so important? Because citrus fruits can help you maintain healthy cognitive function as you age. What the University of Reading is saying is that as you age, you get uh, considerable benefits from eating fruits every day. And uh, there's a lot of research that shows that consuming citrus fruits, lemon, orange, grapefruit, and the like, and lime, can help the elderly maintain their cognitive abilities. But understand something, it's well established that cognitive function naturally declines as people age only because of what they do to create inflammatory responses in the brain. So when you're younger, maybe you're drinking alcohol. Not to get drunk, but just socially drinking. There is no such thing as a safe glass of alcohol. All alcohol is dangerous and destroys cells. But once again, you look at how many cells do you have and how, how those cells are able to rejuvenate, repair themselves. Well, if you're having a healthy diet on a regular basis as you injure cells, you can also repair them. But let's say that you're injuring cells, but then you don't have a healthy diet. And the likelihood is if someone's drinking alcohol or eating junk food, they're not exercising properly, they're not taking proper supplements, they're not meditating. So what you, how you do one thing is certainly how you do everything by different degrees. So what I find is in a nation that has 93%, let me repeat that, 93% of all Americans on a daily basis make unhealthy choices knowingly so, out of impulsivity, out of conditioning, out of being propagandized, out of comfort, out of, uh, let's say, time, time factors. Well, I've got a short time to take lunch, so I'm going to order in, or it's, I'm too tired to make dinner, I'll order in a pizza or whatever. And then the people that supply this are fully aware, the corporations, the banks that fund the corporations, the major, uh, let's say, retirement funds, like BlackRock, that invest in corporations that have a higher yield of return, like fast foods or energy companies. Almost everything that's bad for you makes money for someone else. Just remember that. But at no time is any company out there that I'm aware of going out of its way to make you a really healthy product, especially what you consume. Now, there are people who make orange juice, but once you pasteurize the orange juice, the vitamin C is substantially reduced. That's why the more you do for yourself, the more you go shopping for healthy foods at farmer's markets, at food co-ops, at, uh, at health food stores, the better the choices you're going to be able to make. And then making the food based upon feeding the body, not just the appetite. That's a good title for a book. I'll write that down. So let's be conscious of our choices because... Everything that you consume 
that is pro-inflammatory starts the process of destroying the brain cells, the neurons, the synoptic connections. And all these then in turn lead to these amyloid beta plaques, little tiny streaks of white matter. And that begins Alzheimer's and dementia and other conditions. So in, in comes something as simple as eating citrus fruits could help slow down this natural process and keep you mentally sharp. And this was published in the peer reviewed journal Frontiers Neuroscience. And what they're looking at is they're looking at the flavonones. Flavin, F-L-A-V-O-N, owns O-N-E-S, flavonones. And they're also behind the wonderful brain benefits of citrus fruits. Berries, blueberries, wild blueberries in particular, probably your number one berry you could consume. Goji berries be right up there as well. And uh, just take a handful of goji berries, wash them thoroughly, and then throw them into a still-cut oatmeal or into a smoothie. And what they do is they, they scavenge free radicals to prevent oxidative stress, meaning they attach the free radicals and neutralize them. The more vitamin C, the more you attach the vitamin C, the vitamin E, the tocotrienols, the coenzyme Q10, uh, alpha-lipoic acid, these trap free radicals, like almost they, they attach themselves. It's called an unpaired electron attachment. But the more of these that you have in your blood throughout the day, meaning the more antioxidants, the less free radicals. The less free radicals, the less damage to the cell. The less damage to the cell, the longer that cell lives, the more youthful that cell is, the greater the capacity for that cell to repair itself. So it's that simple. And all this can prevent neurodegenerative diseases. So have your fresh made glass, 16 ounce glass of fresh, and I will uh, juice oranges and grapefruit lemon all at the same time, all in the same juice. And this study was done with 13,000 Japanese uh, citizens, and uh, they ate fruit or juice fruit four times a week, I suggest every day. And they had a 23% reduction in dementia. Wow. Well, think, remember, if you eat an orange, you're only going to eat one orange. But if you have a glass of orange juice, you're going to juice the juice of four to five oranges. So you're getting like 400% greater value. So you could be reducing your, and this is without any other vitamins, like um, magnesium and uh, the B-complex that help you prevent uh, dementia. Just saying. From the Armed Forces Medical College in India, they found that yoga nidra, N-I-D-R-A, might be a path to better sleep and improve memory. Practicing yoga nidra, a kind of mindfulness training, can improve sleep, cognition, learning, and memory, even for novices. And this was published in the Open Access Journal PLOS One. By the way, there are many types of yoga. So just look up and study the Yoga Nidra, N-I-D-R-A. Um, and people, it puts them into a state of conscious relaxation while they are lying down. And it's been reported to improve sleep and cognitive ability. And that's important. From the American Academy of Pediatrics comes advice about avoiding GMO foods, where practical um, 
advice can help you prevent glycase, glycate residues. Do you remember about, oh, let's say 10 years ago, there was a big effort to try to label, which we should have done, GMO foods, but the food manufacturers, the food growers who were using glyphosate, a pesticide like Roundup, on their crops, and as it was getting into the food itself, they fought back. They were smart. They were well-funded. They had hundreds of millions of dollars at their disposal, and they won in almost all the states. I remember going around the country. I produced a documentary called um, Seeds of Death, and uh, it played over 80 times on Rocky Mountain Television, all due to a wonderful program director, uh, Cheryl. And uh, she said, I want the citizens of this state to understand that glyphosate is a toxic cancer-causing agent. And she was getting a lot of flack. She got a lot of criticism because the Koch brothers, you know who the Koch brothers are. They own industries that are major polluters. They were supporting that television station. And uh, so she had to contend with all that, losing funding possibly, or even losing listeners. But we still raised money where they never uh, allowed the show to be pitched after 11 o'clock at night. They're, you know, they stopped. They were using my show after 11 o'clock at night, and it still had large audiences for over two years. But we barely lost in, in Colorado. And, uh, but we did win in some states. So the rule is we should label all genetically modified foods. So if you go up and you want some salmon and it says GMO salmon, uh, genetically modified salmon, and it's pink and big, you think, well, okay, but this is wild-caught salmon, non-GMO. Then, of course, you should choose a wild-caught salmon. But people, again, please understand this. And I'm not, I'm not being critical of the people who make bad choices because a lot goes into a bad choice. Fear, insecurity, but more than anything, whoever is creating the fear is smart enough to know condition the pattern of fear with repetition and with authority of reference. So if, if someone who listens to Howard Stern every day says, take your damn uh, vaccines, you know, or you're a bad person, or Jim McKimball on television says, and he did, well, you know, for those of you who don't vaccinate, and you're a danger to us, and you're a danger to everyone's society. If two people the hospital and one was vaccinated, take him in and help him. If you didn't get vaccinated, well, rest in peace, meaning you should die. Well, now it turns out they were wrong. So think of all the people that got vaccines and died because of Howard Stern, Jimmy Kimball, uh, the president of the United States, uh, Rachel Maddow repeatedly. But do you see any of the people who were nothing more than propagandists for the special interest? apologizing for being wrong? Absolutely not. One of the wonderful things about being in corporate America is you never have to apologize for anything, even if everything you do is wrong all the time. And yet people who are in the health field who've been right all the time seem to always want to apologize for healing people and helping people uh, and with a proof that it works. That's the, that's the absurdity of our world today. 
just crazy. Anyhow, I'm glad to see the American Academy of Pediatrics advises avoiding GMO foods were practical due to glyphosate residues. Good for them. On that issue, I support them. On other issues, um, on mandating vaccines, I challenge them. And also, finally, from the University of Michigan, an article published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, multiple periods of loneliness may add up to higher death risk. Yeah. They're looking at well-established research on the detrimental health effects of loneliness. Now, mind you, I spoke about this briefly, and I'm going to go into this on a whole classroom on the air in the very near future. But what they're saying is, and quote, cumulative loneliness in mid to later life may be a, a death risk factor with notable impact on excess death. And that's in our top scientific publication, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So just in simple lay language, there are times when all of us need to be alone, when we have to reflect upon issues in our life, changes we're about to make, relationships we're about to begin or end, things we want to tell ourselves, maybe to be honest with ourselves about choices we didn't make we should have and choices we made we shouldn't have. And what do we learn from this? And one of the wonderful things about aging, and there are many wonderful things about aging, is your ability to come closer to innate wisdom, something unique that one day you wake up and thought, wow, wow, why did I do that? Why did I say that? All of us have to come to this comeuppance in life where we have to drop the ego, drop the need to control the outcome, and just let it be what it is, the truth, unsullied, unadulterated, untainted, just pure, unbridled truth. And from that, we can begin to repurpose our life and say, okay, I'm lonely because, and then fill in the blanks, because I'm antisocial, because I'm a victim, or see myself as a constant victim. I know someone who was very lonely, just had a conversation with this person yesterday. And I've known this person for 40 years. And this person is lonely and has adverse health effects and won't deal with the loneliness, only wants to deal with the adverse health effects. And in my world, for the hundreds of thousands of people who've been uh, counseled or in my health support groups, remember back in the 1980s and 90s and 2000s when every night there'd be some kind of class going on that would last two, three hours, and those classes would be every week for six months or a year? Yeah. Well, what did I deal with? I never dealt with the disease. If the workshop was on arthritis, I never discussed arthritis, nor its symptoms. I discussed what caused it. All of my work, 100% of my work, and one of the reasons I have been fortunate enough to be successful with the outcomes is that I don't focus upon my efforts. I focus upon the outcome. And if you're not getting the outcome that you ideally would like, then stop your efforts and change them. But we won't do that in our society, not with heart disease, cancer, depression, anxiety, pain, fatigue. We never change the protocols unless the people who have the protocols can control them with a new protocol. 
but the overall protocol doesn't change. So your best results are going to be when someone is innovative enough to see that what's being done isn't working. So we have just another way of our conditioning. We have more people eating meat today than 50 years ago. I've kept the statistics. Well, then what did we learn in the last 50 years? Nothing. That's, con- that's called propagandizing. That's how easy it is to influence people's minds if you keep the same message going by authority figures, those we defer to. And since when, was they, when were they ever right? Were they right about the Gulf of Tonkin and Vietnam? No. Weapons of mass destruction? No. Afghanistan? No. Iraq? No. Libya? No. Syria? No. Honduras? No. Venezuela? No. Ukraine? No. They've been right about nothing. And yet those are the ones the average person will continue to believe in because we are now a cult of tribes. We have, we have regressed at the human condition to tribalism. Wow. So when I say how you do one thing is likely how you're going to do everything at some level, why not look at what you're doing and sing? Is it giving you the outcome you want? Is it positive, constructive, healing, empowering? If it is, good for you. If it's not, take that silent moment. Take that alone moment and say, time for me to get a different outcome and stop defending the merits of my maladaptive functioning. That's it on health and nutrition. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Knoll. We have two programs lined up today and tomorrow that I believe will give you an extremely provocative understanding of how corrupt our systems are. If the system is corrupt, even by well-meaning people within the system, then the outcome is always going to be negative, never positive. And I believe at this time I can prove that virtually every system that we participate in is corrupted. What can we do about it? Well, we can become aware of it. If you're not aware of there's a problem, then you're not going to be aware that why you should make any effort to have a positive solution. So right now, I'm going to show you two separate ones, but they're interconnected. The first one is from Chris Hedges. Now, Chris Hedges is one of those virtually non-corruptible human beings. He's not perfect. He, like all of us, are flawed. But you have to look at where those imperfections are versus where he gets it right. And he's extremely courageous when he goes out there and risks everything. Mind you, he was a Polish Prize-winning author for the New York Times. He was a brewer chief in the Middle East. He spoke uh, Farsi. He, he got into the villages and towns and community. He knew from the ground up the originating cause of the conflicts, and he wrote about that. And now he's writing about the conflict in, in Gaza. If you've noticed, I've been playing clips where the emphasis is upon what should we know in order to see the truth so that some positive solution, both for the Jewish people of Israel and the Palestinian and Christian people within Israel, can breathe where they can both live in harmony. They can live as they did for centuries, 
together. They can have their own freedoms and their own beliefs without impedance. But today, in one of the most uniquely um, system-wide, culturally-wide phenomena, we are seeing the mass psychoses of the American Christian right, the entire, um, the entire corporate media, and the government agencies supporting only one side of this argument, peace for Israel, with the most radicalized, fascistic, right-wing group, the Likud Party, under the control of Netanyahu and uh, in the Knesset, their parliament. And probably upwards of 50% or more of the Israeli public support the efforts being made. Now, if you said that what Hamas did in its raid was horrendous, you would be right. And that those individuals responsible should be held accountable, you would also be right. But also, if you, and we now can conclude that only one Israeli child, and that's one too many, was killed in the crossfire on an initial morning, but almost 9,000 Palestinian children's lives have been ended horrifically. And that's only the bodies that they have counted. There could be three times that many. There could be 30,000 dead children in the rubble. There could be 50,000 dead humans in the rubble because entire blocks have been vaporized. We even have acknowledged that we, the United States, which means we, the taxpayer, because all the money comes from us to create the white phosphorus bombs, which have been banned by international treaty, to use them as a war crime. And we acknowledge we gave them to Ukraine to use against Russia. And we acknowledge we gave them to Israel, which is used against the Palestinians. We acknowledge that there is no such thing as specific targeting of Hamas. Now let's hear Chris Hedges. ...are filled with projectiles of death attack helicopters, drones, artillery shells, tank shells, mortars, bombs, missiles. Gaza is a cacophony of explosions and forlorn screams and cries for help beneath collapsed buildings. Fear after the seven-day truce is coiling itself again around every heart in the Gazan concentration camp. Over 16,000 Palestinians in Gaza, including over 6,000 children, have been killed since October 7th, with another 42,000 wounded. More than 1.8 million people, over 80% of Gaza's population, have been driven from their homes. Thousands are missing, buried under the rubble. More than 300 families have lost 10 or more members. Nearly 300 Palestinians at the same time have been killed in the West Bank and over 3,000 wounded. Israel will not be deterred. It plans to finish the job, to obliterate what is left in the north of Gaza and decimate what remains in the south, to render Gaza uninhabitable, 
to see its 2.3 million people driven out in a massive campaign of ethnic cleansing via starvation, terror, slaughter, and infectious diseases. The aid convoys bring in token amounts of food and medicine. The first batch during the pause were shrouds and coronavirus tests. The Biden administration refuses to set conditions that will disrupt the $3.8 billion Israel receives in annual military assistance and the $14.3 billion in supplemental aid. It mutters useless bromides about surgical strikes while Israel spins its roulette wheel of death. By the time Israel is done, the 1948 Nakba, or catastrophe, where thousands of Palestinians were massacred in dozens of villages and 750,000 were ethnically cleansed by Zionist militias, will look like a quaint relic of a more civilized era. Nothing is off limits. Hospitals, ambulances, mosques, churches, homes, apartment blocks, refugee camps, schools, universities, media offices, sewer systems, telecommunications, infrastructure, water treatment plants, libraries, wheat mills, bakeries, markets, entire neighborhoods. Israel's intent is to destroy Gaza's infrastructure, to make Gaza a wasteland, a dead zone that will be incapable of sustaining life. A leaked 10-page document from the Israeli Ministry of Intelligence dated October 13, 2013, calls for the forcible and permanent transfer of the Gaza's 2.3 million Palestinian residents to Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. Once Palestinians cross the border into Egypt, which the Egyptian government and Arab leaders are seeking to prevent despite pressure from the U.S., Palestinians will never return. This is not a war against Hamas. It is a war against Palestinians. Israeli strikes are generated at a dizzying rate, many of them from a system called Habsara, the gospel, which is built on artificial intelligence that selects 100 targets a day. The AI system is described on the Israeli sites plus 972 magazine and local call as facilitating, I quote, a mass assassination factory. Israel, once it locates what it assumes to be a Hamas operative from a cell phone, for example, bombs and shells, a wide area around the target, killing and wounding dozens, sometimes hundreds of people. Israel has abandoned its tactic of roof-knocking, where a rocket without a warhead lands on top of a building to warn those inside to evacuate. It has also ended its phone calls, warning of an impending attack. Now dozens of families in an apartment block or a neighborhood are killed without notice. During the siege in Sarajevo, when I was reporting for the New York Times, We never endured 
the level of saturation bombing and near total blockage of food, water, fuel, and medicine that Israel has imposed on Gaza. We never endured hundreds of dead a day and wounded a day. We never endured the complicity of the international community in the Serbian campaign of genocide. We never endured Washington intervening to block a ceasefire resolution. We never endured massive arms shipments from the U.S. and other Western countries to sustain the siege. We never endured press reports from Sarajevo that were routinely routinely discredited and dismissed by the international community, although 25 journalists were killed in the war by the besieging Serbian forces. We never endured Western governments justifying the siege as the right of the Serbs to defend themselves, although UN peacekeepers sent to Bosnia were largely a public relations gesture, ineffective in halting the slaughter, until forced to respond following the massacres of 8,000 Bosniak men and boys at Srebrenica. I don't mean to minimize the horror of the siege in Sarajevo, which gives me nightmares nearly three decades later. But what we suffered, three to 400 shells a day, four to five dead a day, two dozen wounded a day, is a tiny fraction of the wholesale death and destruction in Gaza. The Israeli siege of Gaza more resembles the Wehrmacht's assault on Stalingrad, where over 90% of the city's buildings were destroyed than Sarajevo. Israel's goal is to erase not only a people, but the idea of Palestine. It is a carbon copy of the massive campaigns of racialized slaughter by other settler colonial projects that believe that indiscriminate and wholesale violence could make the aspirations of an oppressed people whose land they stole go away. And like other perpetrators of genocide, Israel intends to keep it hidden, locking out foreign reporters and photographers, cutting phone and internet service, and it has targeted Palestinian reporters, my colleagues, for assassination, killing over 50. Israel has dropped more than 25,000 tons of explosives on Gaza, nearly the equivalent of the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Gaza, by the end of Israel's scorched earth campaign, will be uninhabitable, a tactic the Nazis regularly employed when facing armed resistance, including in the Warsaw Ghetto and later Warsaw itself. Gaza, or at least Gaza as we knew it, will not exist. Not only are the tactics the same, but so is the rhetoric. Palestinians are referred to as animals, beasts. They have no right to exist. Their children have no right to exist. They must be cleansed from the earth. The extermination of those whose land we steal, whose resources we plunder, and whose labor we exploit is coded within the DNA of industrialized nations. Ask Native Americans. Ask Indians. 
Ask the Congolese. Ask the Kikuyu in Kenya. Ask the Herero in Namibia, who, like the Palestinians in Gaza, were gunned down and driven into desert concentration camps where they died of starvation and disease. 80,000 of them. Ask Iraqis. Ask Afghans. Ask Syrians. Ask Kurds. Ask Libyans. Ask indigenous peoples across the globe. They know who we are. Israel's distorted settler colonial visage is our own. We pretend otherwise. We ascribe to ourselves virtues and civilizing qualities that are, as in Israel, flimsy justifications for stripping an occupied and besieged people of their rights, seizing their land, and using prolonged imprisonment, torture, humiliation, enforced poverty and murder to keep them subjugated. Our past, including our recent past in the Middle East, is built on the idea of subduing or wiping out the inferior races of the earth. We give these inferior races names that embody evil. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Hamas. We used racist slurs to dehumanize them. Haji, Sand, the N-word, Camel Jockey, Alibaba, Dung Shoveler. And then, because they embody evil, because they are less than human, we feel licensed as Nisam Vaturi, a member of the Israeli parliament for the ruling Likud party, said to erase the Gaza Strip from the face of the earth. Natalie Bennett, Israel's former prime minister, said, quote, we're fighting Nazis. In other words, absolute evil. Not to be outdone, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu described Hamas in a press conference with the German Chancellor as the new Nazis. Think about that. A people imprisoned in the world's largest concentration camp for 16 years, denied food, water, fuel, and medicine, lacking an army, air force, navy, mechanized units, artillery, command and control, and missile batteries is being butchered and starved by one of the most advanced militaries on the planet, and they are the Nazis. There is an historical analogy here, but it is not one that Bennett, Netanyahu, or any other Israeli leader wants to acknowledge. When those who are occupied refuse to submit, when they continue to resist, we drop all pretense of our civilizing mission and unleash, as in Gaza, an orgy of slaughter and destruction. We become drunk on violence. We kill with reckless ferocity. We become the beasts we accuse the oppressed of being. We expose the lie of our vaunted moral superiority. We expose the fundamental truth about Western civilization. We are the most ruthless and efficient killers on the planet. This alone is why we dominate the wretched of the earth. It has nothing to do with democracy or freedom or liberty. These are rights we never intend to grant to the oppressed. Honor, justice, compassion, and freedom 
are ideas that have no converts, Joseph Conrad reminds us. There are only people without knowing, understanding, or feelings who intoxicate themselves with words, repeat words, shout them out, imagining they believe them, without believing in anything else but profit, personal advantage, and their own satisfaction. Genocide lies at the core of Western imperialism. It is not unique to Israel. It is not unique to the Nazis. It is the building block of Western domination. The humanitarian interventionists who insist we should bomb and occupy other nations because we embody goodness, although they promote military intervention only when it is perceived to be in our national interest, are, use, are the useful idiots of the war machine and global imperialists. They live in an Alice in Wonderland fairy tale where the rivers of blood we spawn make the world a happier and better place. They are the smiley faces of genocide. You can watch them on your screens. You can listen to them spout their pseudo-morality in the White House and in Congress. They are always wrong, and they never go away. Israel, like all settler colonial projects, including our own, was founded on lies, the lie that Palestinian land was unoccupied, the lie that 750,000 Palestinians fled their homes and villages during the ethnic cleansing by Zionist militias in 1948 because they were told to do so by their leaders, the lie that it was Arab armies that started the 1948 war that saw Israel seize 78% of historic Palestine, the lie that Israel faced annihilation in 1967, forcing it to invade and occupy the remaining 22% of Palestine as well as land belonging to Egypt and Syria. Israel is sustained by lies. The lie that Israel wants a just and equitable peace and will support an independent Palestinian state. The lie that Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. The lie that Israel is an outpost of Western civilization in a sea of barbarism. The lie that Israel respects the rule of law and human rights. The brazenness of Israeli lies stunned those of us who reported from Gaza. It did not matter if we had seen the Israeli attack, including the shooting of unarmed Palestinians. It did not matter how many witnesses we interviewed. It did not matter what photographic and forensic evidence we obtained. Israel lied, small lies, big lies, huge lies. These lies came reflexively and instantly from the Israeli military, Israeli politicians, and Israeli media. They were amplified by Israel's well-oiled propaganda machine and repeated with a cloying sincerity on international news outlets. Israel engages in the kinds of jaw-dropping lies that characterize despotic regimes. It does not deform the truth. It inverts it. It paints a picture that is diametrically opposed to reality. Those of us who have covered the occupied territories have run into Israel's Alice in Wonderland narratives, which we dutifully insert into our stories required under the rules of American journalism, although we know they are untrue. Israel has 
invented an Orwellian lexicon. Children killed by Israelis become children caught in the crossfire. The bombing of residential districts with dozens of dead and wounded becomes a surgical strike on a bomb-making factory. The destruction of Palestinian homes becomes the demolition of the homes of terrorists. The big lie feeds the two reactions Israel seeks to elicit. Racism among its supporters and terror among its victims. The big lie fosters the myth of a clash of civilizations, a war between democracy, decency, and honor on one side, and Islamic terrorism, barbarism, and medievalism on the other. The big lie abolishes nuances, ambiguities, and contradictions that can plague conscience. It is designed to create cognitive dissonance. It permits no gray zones. The world is black and white, good and evil, righteous and unrighteous. The big lie allows believers to take comfort, a comfort they are desperately seeking in their own moral superiority. It feeds what Edward Bernays called the logic-proof compartment of dogmatic adherence. All effective propaganda, Bernays writes, targets and builds upon these irrational psychological habits. Israel's supporters do not want to know the truth. The truth would force them to examine their racism, self-delusion, and complicity in oppression, murder, and genocide. Most important, the big lie sends an ominous message to the Palestinians. The big lie states that Israel will wage a campaign of mass terror and genocide and never take responsibility for its crimes. The big lie obliterates the truth. It obliterates the dignity of human thought and human action. It obliterates facts. It obliterates history. Okay, that's Chris Hedges. His view, you can agree or disagree. More to come, and tomorrow you're going to get an insight into one of the biggest lies that we've been told by the entire corporate media, both Republican and Democrat, the corporatists, the globalists, the neocons. Today we passed the largest defense bill in history, $889 billion. How much of that is accounted for? They don't know because they've never been able to do an accurate accounting at the Defense Department, Pentagon. In fact, they're missing trillions of dollars. And no one says, is that important? Sure is. That's our money. Where does it go? Why do we keep overspending on death and destruction? Why don't we have any money for peace and goodwill? But we don't. And that'll be on tomorrow. Now, I, I finally uh, decided to put up our How to Review a Product on our Gary and All Vitamin Closet, or Gary's Vitamin Closet.com. In other words, you go to Gary, Gary's Vitamin Closet.com. You go to the product you want to review, such as Asus Answer Skin Cream. And then you can scroll down and, and uh, you can put however many stars you want, one to five. And then you once clicked, 
a pop-up window will open where you can review the product and then you can make your comments. So as of today, it's one month. I wanted to hold off for one month. I didn't accept any reviews, no matter what, and I get some spectacular reviews. One from a, a woman named Stacy, who is a professor in New York State at a college or university, she doesn't say, but just, she says, and by the way, she's only used this for one week, and uh, she said it's uh, the best product she's ever used on her skin. Okay, maybe that's your experience, maybe it's not. But now you have a chance. And here it is. Let me just read what she says. Um, thank you for this product. I never had any better than this product. Okay, good. What's your experience? Because I believe that you're only going to see better and better as it goes. And uh, also, I told you at the end of a month, you'd have uh, you'd be getting $100 off our, what we're going to be uh, going at a very low, uh, unrealistically low retail price. But I also realize there's a lot of people in the audience who cannot afford this, and so I'm going to extend this until this coming Monday, uh, and then I'll see at what increments I'm going to go up because I'm very conscious of other people who... I'm always that person who wants to see that no one's left on the sidelines because no one chooses them. I saw that growing up as a kid, and that always caused sadness in me. So I want people to benefit from this. And why? Because we all care about our skin. You may say you don't, but people do. And so it's taken five years of my life with lots of research. In fact, to give you an idea, I used to have a wonderful product, but I took it off the market because it wasn't as good as it could be. I knew there was more I could do, except I couldn't afford to pay the licensing fees for products that had been clinically tested and were hard to get. And I didn't see them in these other products because these other products didn't want to pay these high prices to get these unique ingredients from around the world. And But I said, I never... Look, it's a simple fact. Compare the quality of green stuff, reds, have any product I've ever created with anything else on the market, and they're not even the same universe of quality. And uh, But I still try to keep the prices down so low in some cases <laughs> that there's no profit to be made. And uh, not a lot of profit as it is, not with this one. But I wanted the best of the best. Me, a little insignificant guy, against the biggest cosmetic companies in the world. They have billion-dollar budgets. I have maybe thousands of dollars, and yet they were like so many things in life. You think that because someone's the biggest and the richest and the most famous, they're, they're able to do the best? It almost never happens. So now you have Ageless Answer Miracle Cream. So if you care about a glowing, vibrant, healthy skin and repairing, restoring your skin rather than having some cosmetic procedure, and since our skin is so important to our overall health, and uh, so I wanted, the, I wanted the enhancement of all things natural. That's what you get. That's why I put my whole label up there. Can someone else duplicate this? Not a chance in the world. Even if I give them the ingredients, they don't know the blends. They don't know the percentages, and they won't. I alone know that. 
So now you have an opportunity. Other products cost $500 for half the amount and don't have one-tenth the efficacy. So you're getting four and a half ounces. But depending upon how many places you use it on your body, I'm finding a lot of people are saying they're using it on their feet, especially if they got bad skin and all kinds of problems around the ankles and the crepey skin around the kneecaps and under the arms or the facial, around the mouth. So the more places you use it, you know, um, the more it's going to benefit you. But if you only have one place to use it, it'll last you a couple months. Otherwise, it'll last you about a month. But what I've done is I've been able to get the finest of the finest. For example, I have three novel patented uh, ingredients that make this unlike any screen, other skin product I know of in the world. One is a patented liposomal preparation derived from the stem cells of a very rare Swiss apple, which has been shown to extend the skin's longevity and to prevent delay and reverse wrinkling. And according to Harvard researchers, skin aging is a type of wounding whereby the skin's own stem cells are no longer able to preserve the skin's strength and thickness, elasticity, and function. So my liposomal preparation replaces this loss, thereby regenerating new cell growth. And again, I didn't invent this. I'm paying a big high licensing fee for this, what is called the extracellular matrix promoting peptone. And I didn't have availability of this before. Now I do. Try to find that in another product on the market. I know how much it would cost, and therefore I know much, how much less profit they're going to make on their $500 product. And it's, but this is uniquely derived from the plant and marine kingdoms. It nourishes the skin cells and stimulates the production of soluble elastin, as a defense against the loss of elasticity, hence a natural tightening, youthful skin. And that, not to have this, contributes to the sagging and wrinkling. A third novel ingredient is an exceptional lipopeptide formula to stimulate six crucial constituents in the skin, an epidermal matrix, three types of collagen, fibronectin, hydrolonic acid, and laminin-5. You may not have heard of any of these. Oh, you probably have heard of hyaluronic acid. Sometimes that's the only thing that I watch on television when they're promoting a very expensive cosmetic that's sold to millions of people. Well, my goodness, that's only one of dozens that I have. Together, this peptide formula rebuilds and tightens wrinkles and creases from the inside of the skin. And finally, Aegis Lancer has been formulated with demonstrated natural moisturizers like organically grown aloe vera, anti-aging rejuvenators to restore the skin's barrier, including evening primrose oil, metafoam oil, rose hips, and powerful effective skin antioxidants, cherry blossom extract, coenzyme Q10, uh, fat-soluble vitamin C. Uh, all these means of hydrating, moisturizing, and reinvigorating cell growth. So quite simply, Aegis Answer, if you know of a better product, buy it. If you know, you can look around, don't take my word for it, look at the ingredients. Look at what they promise, the illusion. Now look at the reality. You've had a month, if you've been using it for a month, to know the reality. 
So go to GarysVitaminProducts.com. Go to the product, and now you can make whatever comments you want and give it a rating. And because uh, I don't use any synthetic fragrances, what you smell in that almond and vanilla, cherry, that's all natural. I don't use parfum. I don't use artificial colors. It is only scented with the most natural almond vanilla extracts. So the innovation on this product took five years and lots of money and lots of time. But now you have it, and you have it at a price at one-tenth of what the competition that doesn't have one-tenth the power of this does. So if you are interested in what is something that we can really all benefit from, healthier skin, more vibrant skin, then just give a call because I'm going to keep the $99.95 cost through Monday. And then based upon some emails and letters I've gotten and people requesting who are on limited budgets, what can I do to help them? I'm going to do something. I always do. So give a call at 877-627-5065. 877-627-5065. Or go to GaryNall.com, scroll down, or Gary's Vitamin, excuse me, Gary's Vitamin Products, Com, and you can order it. Or call Neil or go visit Neil in the Vitamin Closet at 35 West 35th Street. That's right off 5th Avenue to a floor or call him at 646-926-5430. We're out of time for today. And boy, do we have a powerful show coming tomorrow with five different topics talked about, all different, but all showing you the problems. And then I'll give you a commentary on the solutions. What can you do? not to get in harm's way and make bad choices again. Okay? Also, you're going to hear a little clip right now. There's something really good coming up, and I just want to give them some credibility because they're a nonprofit foundation sponsoring a music festival this Sunday for the homeless, and they really help the homeless. They're legitimate. They're good people. So if you're living in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and you go to the concert, please do so. We'll go to the clip now. Please come on out and join us for the 27th Annual Blank Fest Benefit Concert, which raises blankets and public awareness for the homeless this Sunday, December 17th, from noon until midnight. Blank Fest is a celebration of over 15 live music acts of all styles and genres. All we ask at the door is one blanket per person, any condition. These blankets will be distributed directly to those less fortunate on the streets of New York City starting on Christmas Eve. All you have to do is bring a blanket to the Hudson House, 134 Main Street in Nyack, New York. For more information or to volunteer, you can go to www.blankfest.org or write to SurfVietnam at Hotmail.com. That's Sunday, December 17th from noon to midnight at the Hudson House in Nyack, New York. Come on down and help make a difference this holiday season.